Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the third episode of the Hunt the Wild podcast. Um, I'm your host, Adam Bolds, and I'm here today with Ben Doden of Nemaha Valley Outdoors. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing pretty good tonight. How are you? I'm not too bad, man. Thanks. Um, so could you tell me a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got involved in the outdoors, um, how you started Nemaha Valley Outdoors, and kind of what your thoughts were behind that, and how you got going yeah yeah so getting involved in the outdoors i've been in the woods and out fishing and everything since yeah before i could remember probably before i could even walk you know <laughs> so that's kind of where it all started and growing up i always watched a lot of the outdoors channel uh mm -hmm. watching the outdoors channel you know i always thought man that'd be really cool just to do and so that was kind of just like a back burner dream like oh that'd be cool to start one day you know yeah and, uh, it wasn't until last deer season 2020 i had taken my fiance out into the woods with me and you know i really pushed her i said oh, we gotta get out there we're gonna see a lot of deer you know we kind of drug our feet getting out there but when we did uh that was the first time i'd ever actually had a hunt semi-recorded at all yeah you know she ended up getting the kill shot on the buck i never did get a score off of him but by the time we were done tracking and everything got him hung up for the night uh she goes well that's pretty cool huh Have you ever had anyone record that for you no not really you know but it'd be kind of cool to keep doing said well why don't you you know like the worst that's going to happen is you're going to start it and it doesn't work out and then you can at least say that you tried right you know? You know, so that's kind of where it started. And I fiddled, fiddled around with a couple of different names. Um, my original name that I wanted was a uh, Coon Creek Outdoors because that was the creek that had originally ran through my old family farm. Okay. Called Coon Creek. And uh, of course, someone else had that. <laughs> yeah. Then the there first was name. The first name you always seemed like you want to pick. Everybody's already always. Oh, oh yeah, it's kind of like the Frisbee. You know, you always wanted to be the guy that invented the Frisbee. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so then the next option was like BD Outdoors, and that had a lot of really, really inappropriate spinoffs. <laughs> so I decided against that, and uh, Nemaha Valley was actually my first school that I went to okay. as a kid. Uh, the main river or creek, it's more of a creek, that ran through the county was actually called Nemaha and the whole town was kind of set in a valley. I think that's why they ended up calling that. So the school since closed down and uh, I don't think they have any ties to the name. So I, I took it. <laughs> it's a good name, man. It's, it's catchy. I like it. I, oh, I thanks. Can't say I've, appreciate can't say that. I've heard, heard that name anywhere else before. So um, yeah, definitely something that'll catch people's attention. <laughs> Yeah. So how did it, when you talk about filming and stuff, were you filming on a phone or did you start like most, most of us do with like a handy cam or you just like grabbed it that day and you're like, we're going to film. How did that kind of look? It, it was her, it was her phone. She had, she's gone to the deer stand a couple times with me, but you know, she doesn't like the cold. So she doesn't get to see yeah. the deer activity of mid November, you know? And, um, so she was just doing everything off of her phone and I'm, I got a little bit of an arsenal built up now for filming. You know, I got mm -hmm. 
little bit of a camera that a friend of mine has lent me. And then I got a GoPro and then I also have my phone. So it, it's a start. I definitely want to upgrade, but you know, it's, are you shooting uh, like a DSLR? Are you shooting like a regular video camera? I think it's just a regular video camera. Um, yeah. It doesn't like have uh, extra lenses and all that stuff. Just no. flip it on and yeah. Right. You flip it on and go. Yeah. Sometimes that's, you know, all you need is something to flip on. And like you said, even just something is better than nothing. And right. I've always, I've since I started self-filming too, I've noticed that it's not always content for YouTube or whatever, but it's just being able to look back and see what went wrong or what went right or your shot placement or, you know, it's oh, just yeah. good to have a, a reference to look back on and be like, man, I wish I would have done that different or man, oh, no I doubt. know I made a good shot or. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's just what happened to me last season. Um, when she recorded that, we went back and we looked at it because we got down. And, I mean, we just found droplets. It was not the blood trail I was expecting. I thought I drilled the deer while going back at the video. The buck had actually dropped hmm. really hard right when I let go of the string. And so I ended up hitting him high and back. Mm-hmm. So with that knowledge, it was like, all right, so we're not going to be finding just the perfect highway of a blood trail, you know. So that aspect of it was really, really cool. I really did. And I, I enjoyed that. And it was very beneficial you know, in the long run. It can give you a little peace of mind too, knowing like always, you know, if you've shot back, you know, back out a little bit or come back yeah. in the morning if you have time and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, I like self-filming a lot. It's it's a lot of work and you got a whole lot of gear in the woods when you start getting into camera arms and all that stuff. But yeah, it, it is a lot of fun. Yep. I'm looking forward to it this year. So, um. So when you got started in the woods, did you like when you were a kid? Did you start out hunting deer? Did you hunt rabbits, squirrels? I actually What's that kind of looked like your first hunt. Do you remember? <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. So starting out, I was God. I want to say I was six, maybe seven years old. And Dad had me out shooting beer cans with a BB gun and stuff, you know. And on is one of those birthdays, he ended up buying me this little single shot twenty two. Mm-hmm. and we headed out to the woods all day and it had this really horrible horrible little peep sight on it so i kept shooting and i kept missing it doesn't help i actually do have corrected vision so that wasn't helping my cause any but dad goes you know why do you keep missing i can't see through it oh yeah right you know, <laughs> you know he grabs it and he looks through man i can't see a thing out of this <laughs> anyway, <laughs> He bought me a scope, a little scope for it. And um, later that afternoon, we ended up hitting a family friends. We hit his little farm where he housed cattle every now and then. And there was one up in the tree and I ended up poking him, you know, I think the shot actually went through his tail, broke the tail and ended up going up and through the spine is there. And, you know, lear- learning that that timer tricks you know well you sit here i'm gonna walk over here and throw a branch on the other side of the tree to get him to spin around you know or rubbing a couple quarters together to help bring in the squirrels and stuff so that was kind of the start of where i was hunting did you, you know, did you feel did you feel hooked after that first shot or 
Do you remember like that moment oh, where you're like, I, I've got to keep doing this? Man, honestly, I, uh, my family has been big into hunting forever. So I was, I was pretty well hooked on it before I even went out. But at that point, I, I knew it was something I'd never stopped doing. And even now, I'm going to be 25 in a week. And I still will go out and I'll still hunt squirrels. I'll still hunt rabbits. You know, it, it's something I decided I never wanted to stop doing. It and I have no intention of stopping doing it until, you know, I'm warm food. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, I think squirrel hunting, at least around my area, it's not as big as it probably used to be 20, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. I don't know about where you're from. I mean, a few people go, but it's not nearly comparable to like, hunting deer i would say you know around here it seems like people will go out they they use squirrels and rabbits and turkeys and stuff they use that to introduce their kids into the outdoors yeah but they don't uh the kids don't tend to continue to go once they hit the point of why well, i can go hunt deer now yeah or whatever else you know yeah i feel like it's it's that way here what so i've never been to nebraska i've never been out that way what i imagine you guys have a lot of the same stuff we do what do people mainly hunt where you're from just it, it's primarily deer i mean from side to side of the state you know once rifle season kicks off it's just as well be a holiday in this state you know kids mm -hmm. are taking off of school people take off of work left and right our rifle season actually only runs think it's i want to say seven days i don't know i haven't rifle hunted in 10 years but uh deer primarily we have whitetail and we also have mule deer here in nebraska uh, okay the farther you have to go out west a little bit farther i think it's kind of past grand islands where you start running into more mule deer and a lot more okay. flatter, more open country you know down here i'm i'm in the southeast corner and it's heavily wooded comparatively speaking uh so we take advantage of that obviously but you know the farther west you go you get a lot more of the spot and stock hunts and people people also will hunt like i think antelope we have elk we have an elk dry every year mountain lion dry every year turkeys side to side but the primary animal definitely is deer what's uh just for our listeners you know, if people haven't been out there, what's kind of like the land out there look like where you're from? There's a lot of ag fields, private property, public property, kind of broke up, open. Well, so there's a lot of public ground and that houses, you know, and again, it, it's that state split, you know, mm -hmm. so the farther west you go, the less timber you're going to get. Right. But what is private is extremely private uh i'd say people probably primarily hunt private grounds just because there are so many farmers in the area i mean they our football team is the corn huskers <laughs> you know so there is yeah corn and soybeans side to side of the entire state and um it it never seems to end that's so, how it is here lots of corn and lots of soybeans oh yeah yeah so it so if if a guy wants to come out to Nebraska where you're from and just on a whim drive out there and, and hunt, what's it, 
Is he going to try to hunt public? Is he going to have very good luck trying to get permission from farmers? Oh, he'll have no, I'd imagine for deer, he's going to have virtually no luck with private um, because a lot of the private ground is already spoken for. Okay. Whether it be by family or family friends, whatever, you know, that's how I got so lucky as family friends. Um, Our public ground is pretty good. And a lot of people do harvest very large mature whitetails off of public grounds. So So are you guys, you guys are um, over the counter tags for whitetails there for out of staters? Oh, out of state. Um, yeah, yeah, I believe so. Okay. Um, you, for whitetails and mule, you shouldn't have to like apply for a lottery draw or anything like that, you know? Um, but I think as far as like the elk would go, yeah. Cause even Nebraskans have to apply for the draw. So I would imagine out of staters would as well. Do you have any idea? Like, um, you, you probably don't if you're a resident, but what an out of out of state tag there costs, do you? Uh, it it's not cheap. Um, I was actually looking at going and hunting down in like Missouri and Kansas and Iowa, and all mm-hmm. those tags were, you know, right around the two hundred mark, if not more. So I think Nebraska would probably be right around that mark. Okay, yeah, I just kind of try to give whoever's listening the kind of the lowdown on each state I talked to somebody from, cause you never know a guy might want to go there and it's good to have information from an oh, actual absolutely. resident, not everything <laughs> you read on online and everything. So, Oh man, I don't know how many like lease properties you guys have where you're at, but like here, you know, I go through some of the lease pictures and I know the land, you know, growing up in the area I did and some of those lease, lease, ugh, lease pictures, they, uh, they're not, they're not what the land is anymore because farmers will lease it out, but then, you know, they tear out trees to get a couple extra rows of crop and everything else. So, you know, you got to be careful with those pictures. So it, it definitely is good to get a residential perspective on that. So most of your, when you talk about like private ground and everything, most of that's not like um, the guy down the road's been letting Bob or so-and-so hunt for a while. It's mostly like like leases, not friends and stuff. They're real big into making Lease. making the dollar off of it. Leases seem to be coming more and more popular, which mm-hmm. honestly that kind of kills me because you know that's where you're gonna get, you know, a lot of the out of state guys in. You're you're gonna burn some bridges with your local guys when you have leases, I believe. I mean it's obviously all business, but yeah, you know, it's it's not how do i want to put it there's nothing wrong with lease property until you're a resident trying to find somewhere to hunt yeah (laughs) yeah it makes it really hard if you want to introduce you know like some people want to take their kids and i think they worry about you know public ground's good and everything i hunt public there's nothing wrong with it you can kill nice deer and you can scroll hunt and do pretty much anything on public but think people worry about the danger aspect like when they want to introduce their kids and they take them on public they have to worry about if somebody's gonna shoot them walking through the woods so yeah it does make it hard hard for people like that too and the farmer down the road that used to let people hunt you know and try to control his deer population and stuff just Mm -hmm. shuts it down and leases it out to guys but on the other hand 
I understand they got to make money. And so, yeah, yeah it, it's kind of like that around here too. You can get some permissions, but you're going to work for it. You're going to knock on a lot of doors or send a lot of letters. And yeah. So, and then still end up paying for it somehow. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Usually with some type of work, which is fine. You know, they're letting you hunt and, uh, they, oh, yeah. you know, should get some kind of payment for it. So you hunt mostly private then, right? Yeah, I hunt I hunt all private. I think I've been on the public land once, and that was for coyotes because no one else was out there at the time. But otherwise, I've hunted pretty well. The same section, I think I got it back in 2000, and I got permission to be back there in 2014, I think it was. Um, old family friend of my dad's, they were childhood best friends. So he kind of gave me an out when our family farm got sold. And then I, I got plenty of friends that are farmers too, and have plenty of land that no one is hunting that they said, you know, well, if you lose your spot, you know, you're more than welcome out here, you know? So I hunt, yeah, I hunt a lot of private. What's your, uh, what's your setup kind of look like how big's the farm the area you're hunting is it timber and ag or it's a, ag it's a lot more ag i have two little patches of trees on 80 acres okay. but uh those two little patches of trees and the agriculture sits between uh crick bed and then also bedding is on where i hunt i got the bedding right in the middle and then before that is food plots and crp so I'm just right in the middle, perfect for all the deer to, you know, move back and forth, which works out just great for me. I mean, everyone else is kind of up a creek, but. <laughs> are you, uh, are you the main guy that hunts it or? I'm the uh, only guy that hunts it. Oh, you're the only guy, man. Only you lucked guy. out then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I think his brother goes back into the CRP, you know, off to the east of me. I think he goes back there and bird hunts every now and then, but. We haven't had hardly any pheasants out here for you know, years. The coyote population boomed and the pheasant population went down. Do you guys, uh, do you mainly just hunt the ag, I guess, that they plan, or do you do food plots? or? Um, I don't do a lot of, go ahead. I'm sorry. You guys, I don't, I don't think you're a bait state either. I was going to ask you if you bait either. We, the law in Nebraska is that if you're going to use a mineral or like a salt lick or something it has to be off the spot two weeks prior all the way off you gotta dig it up dig dirt if you gotta dig a hole you gotta dig a hole it cannot be there anymore um i know a lot of guys use food plots clover and turnips are extremely popular with the guys i know particularly um and i i just I, I can't set up a food plot because it's not my grounds. Right. You know, I've always wanted to, but that, that's just not in the cards for me. Uh, I am very fortunate that the guy across the fence has food plots and does not hunt anymore. Hmm. And it was perennial clover. So that's just going to keep coming back until it's decides it doesn't want to. You ever thought about trying to slip over there and get permission? I, I've thought about it, but, you know, when it comes to getting permissions for different properties, you don't, well, I don't at least, I don't want to burn my bridge with where I'm at and roll those dice. Because, mm -hmm. you know, if you roll the dice 
and say say you get a new chunk for like two years. Well, great, you got that new chunk for a couple of years, but now the guy that you were hunting from, well, oh yeah, no one's back there, Billy. You go on back there now. Well, now you just lost the spot that you worked really hard to yeah. you know build up a herd, build up management, and you know. So I, I just don't want to roll those dice. I'll I'll wait until he tells me I can't go back there anymore and then i'll go pull my stands and my cameras and everything but i'm not i'm not giving it up anytime soon yeah you're always always afraid if you don't keep showing up or you know i've had it happen to me in the past where i'd hunted an area let's see probably 10 years or so and Mm -hmm. the farmer's daughter got married and he had a new son-in-law who liked to gun hunt one weekend out of the year and it wasn't a very big property but it was kind of like I'd learned it. I'd spent all the time there, hung all the stands, kind of knew what was going on. And then like that, it's like ripped away from you. So yeah, yeah, it's hard and, when you don't own it. You're allowed to be upset, but <laughs> yeah, you're allowed yeah, at the same to be time, upset. I was thankful that I could hunt it. Really thank you. So how long have you yeah, been hunting that you know, piece of property? My... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. 2014. So that'd be, what, seven years now, I believe. It, we're going to say a 10 of 2014, I think, is when I got back there. I don't know. It, it's been long enough now that the years are starting to run together. Uh, but it, it's produced a lot of great deer for me uh, since then, uh, along with a couple Pope and Young level deer. So it, it's going pretty good back there. So you kind of, um, you're not shooting anything real young. You're kind of managing... I mean, you got full reign of it by yourself, so you don't have to worry about if somebody else is gonna shoot some that you're letting pass. So, yeah. So, I've been. I, I actually just recently got a lot better at it. You know, sometimes that trigger finger will get a little itchy, and that that happened. I think three years ago was the last time I shot. You know, a basket buck. Mm-hmm. You know, it it got my heart going, so I'm not gonna apologize for it by any means, but. I've passed a lot of deer to get, get the deer to, you know, four or five years old to where they're at their peak potential. And, you know, I, I appreciate seeing big bucks on camera and I appreciate even more being able to have the opportunity to harvest them. So I'm not, I'm not going to shoot small bucks. Are you guys a one buck state? Not for archery. Archery, you can buy as many tags as you want, but obviously archery is a little bit more difficult. Uh, as far as rifle would go, they th- those tags sell out extremely quickly. Excuse me. Uh, rifle tags, they are gone, you know, months before season. I just got on and looked the other day, and we were down to 1,000 tags left in my area, which sounds like a lot, but really it, it's a big county. It's not that much. It's a big section. Oh, so they, they only sell so many tags or whatever, and yeah, then once right. they're out, they're gone. So how early yeah. can you buy those tags? I mean, can you like, can you go on now and buy your tag for the next five years or they have like a, a date so, that they drop them? So right now you can go and buy your rifle tag in Nebraska. I think they go on sale in July and, you know, okay. a lot of people tend to not buy them until September, October, usually when they're pretty certain, you know, that they're going to get a spot locked down. Everybody waits till the last minute. Yeah. So if you're not in that early bird group, you're not hunting with a rifle in the state of Nebraska. You know, 
this last year I did by season choice because uh, those don't go near as quickly. Everyone wants the buck tags and everything, you know. Uh, so I bought a season choice because it was a really warm year last year in Nebraska and clear skies with a full moon every night during deer camp. So I ended up buying a season choice tag just in case I needed to fill the freezer. I could, you know, at distance. Does, um, so the guy that owns the property, that's your dad's buddy, you said? Yeah. Yeah. So how does he feel? He's a farmer, so I'm sure he's worried about his crops and, all that stuff. How's he feel about you being picky about deer? Is he a deer hunter or does he understand the management he's not a, thing? He's not a deer hunter, really. I think last year he went out and shot one just to get a little bit of meat. Yeah. But he's not a deer hunter by any means. Uh, I, I'll shoot a couple does a year if I can, but the neighbors both will rifle hunt. So the population stays fairly well managed out there. Um with without me being there of course but he hasn't said anything i'm also not going to tell him about this yeah <laughs> i don't want him to hear that i'm being picky <laughs> yeah i just kind of wonder you know sometimes those farmers they they let you on their property with the expectation that you're gonna kind of knock down some of the deer and just kind of curious what he thought about you passing on you know two-year-olds and all that stuff it's like why aren't you shooting those deer, Ben? The <laughs> had that conversation. <laughs> yeah. You know, right now actually I have a uh, I have a buck on camera and I've been I passed on him back in 2018. He had a broken right side antler and he um I, I, I thought it was broken at least. It was not. And so he's just gradually grown into this deer that only has a left antler that's, you know, really phenomenal. Uh, and that that's a big part of management, too, is rolling those dice and passing on the little guys, seeing what they're going to be into. But for the last three years now, I've just watched him grow and he's given me opportunities to harvest and he's outwitted me every time. So this year, you know, the the buck management is going to come into big play if i get the opportunity to harvest him you know you'll be able to see just what exactly passing on a small buck will get you to are you holding are you gonna hold off for him this year or I, i'm poking him if he walks inside of 40 yards he's he's getting an arrow <laughs> would you take would you take a different one are you gonna wait you gonna wait i'm gonna him? do i that's a hard question because, you know, it's not every day that a 150 is going to walk out in front of you either, you know. So if if I can, I'm going to wait on him or I'll just buy another tag and my taxidermist is going to be smiling ear to ear because of me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys, you, you uh, are you big into naming your deer or are you just kind of? If a deer stands out, he gets named. Um, my first ever buck that got put on the wall He's a little, he looked a lot bigger. You know, I think I was 13, I was 12 or 13 when I got him. He had two little stickers sticking out of the back of his antlers, just perfectly symmetrical. So he got deemed stickers, you know. Um, one of my friends, he had a deer that had been actually shot four times and never died. Oh, wow. Yeah. With an, with an arrow, I assume. Arrows. One guy tagged him with a rifle and he didn't go down. So he got 
deemed the ghost because he went completely nocturnal. And, you know, if you saw him, it was for a split second because he knew where everyone was sitting at any given time, it seemed like. Uh, my Mine this year, he, he's getting deemed lefty. He's been deemed lefty for three years now. <laughs> How old do you think he is? Or you've been watching him for three years now, you said? Yeah, so I'm probably sticking about, I'd say five. He's probably a five-and-a-half-year-old buck. Yeah. You know, so he's he's there. He's if he gets bigger, it ain't gonna be by much. Um, and I really don't want those genetics, you know, in my gene pool. You know, which is a reason why every year I've tried getting him. But I I really like symmetry in my herd, or at least just not that far off. You think he's getting close to kind of declining? Then probably yeah. by next year he's gonna start going down. I think so. And if not next year, definitely the year after. Um, and he, he's made it this long. He ain't going to be going down easy. You know, he's – I don't have any day pictures of him. He knows the routine. Come out when the sun's down. Go back in when the sun's coming up. He's he's a smart deer. And, you know, he didn't live this long for no reason. What's – uh? you guys have a lot of ag, so kind of like we do here. We we have decent-sized bodied um deer what's a nice size body like weight wise like um where you're from what would be like a he's a pretty decent size weight i guess maybe field dressed i'd say field well you know i don't really know because i i don't weigh my deer i don't know anyone that does weigh their deer really yeah so i would say probably Field dressed average deer shots probably in the 150 range. Yeah, that's that's pretty similar to here, I would say. Yeah, with, with all the corn and soybeans, they're definitely eating good. And then you got guys with mineral plots, and they set out mineral rock, you know, beginning of August. So let's uh let's talk a little bit about your plans for the fall. When does your bow season open? So my bow season. Nebraska bow actually opened up on the 1st of September. Okay. Um, the only reason I haven't gone out yet is because I have cropped edge to edge. There's nowhere to walk. And if I were to knock down a deer, I'm either destroying crops or destroying my back. So, <laughs> you know. That's it, a good way to lose your lease, isn't it? But destroying oh, crops. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and even he, the, the guys told me, you know, the only time you're going to be driving back there is to move deer stands or to go get a deer that you can't drag out, you know? So I won't go down there with my pickup when it's harvested at all. Uh, a lot of walking, but in, in the end it's worth it. And waiting until the crops out, it's just a small price to pay to be able to retain those privileges. And I, I think a lot of people would agree that that's not the wrong thing to do by any means makes it a little easier to find the deer when the crops are out. They got a little less room oh. to hide. <laughs> oh, no doubt. It was, uh, God, I want to it's 2019. I had a really nice four by four. He's probably measured out at 160. Um, and I had gotten off work early a couple days. So I zipped out to the stand as quick as I could. Cause one side had been harvested. Well, the other side was corn and I heard something run through the corn and I turned around and I vaguely saw antlers coming through the way, you know, and grabbed my bow. I was getting ready and the wind switched directions on the last minute. 
and well, he just disappeared deeper into the corn. Then he did that again the next day. So, and never saw him again, you know, so I'm going to do my best from now on, just wait until all the crop is out as much as I can, because there, you're not going to see a deer coming through corn. Are you guys, are you guys looking at an early harvest or a normal or, um, this year I, I was actually out dove hunting today with one of my friends at farms. He says here probably in the next three weeks, they're probably going to get to rocking on it. So we're looking, I think that's probably, that's pretty early I'd say, but. Yeah, first week of October or so. Yeah. yeah. Do you try to stay in contact with the farmer? Do you does he, he kind of find out the day he's gonna be harvesting? Do you like to hunt that day? I know some guys when they're pulling corn and stuff out wanna be in the stand. I love when he's out harvesting corn, but I'm not gonna I don't wanna feel like I'm pestering him. Yeah. Hey, when you get harvesting, when you, you know, it's the same reason you don't call your taxiderm and stuff and ask where your deer is. You know, yeah, you they push, push you to it. the back of the line. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And last year, he actually didn't get his beans out until the very end of deer camp, which is, you know, the second, I think we do it the second week of November, the week before rifle season. He didn't get his beans out till then. So wow. it was, it was almost a battle to not go back there because I knew, you know, if I knock one down, that's going to take out some beans and he's not going to like that. You know, corn you can salvage. You know, they're probably not going to take down too many corn stalks with them. But, you know, you get a buck running through and good sized deer, he lands in some beans. That's a pretty big. It's <laughs> pretty mm-hmm. big pile of beans that just got destroyed. So, and by the time you drag them out or get a deer cart or a four wheeler in there, it's, uh, it's definitely noticeable. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you're anything like me, you're probably itching to get out in the woods. How come you don't try to get permission on another farm? You said you knew a couple guys maybe to try to hunt these earlier months before they get get stuff out, or you think you'll be in the same situation as far as not destroying their crops too? It, it's more the same. It, it's going to be more of, a, you know, well, I'm going to destroy their crops. And then also, you know, I, I don't want my guy finding out that I'm hunting deer on other people's property because if he finds that out, there is a decent, I'm not going to say he'd do it, but I wouldn't put it past him by any means to just let someone else go back and hunt that spot because it, it would give the impression that I have moved on and I am done with that area, which I am very much so not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Better to just play it safe than. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just, I'll play the waiting game and, you know, there's an old saying out there that, you know, the longer you wait, the sweeter it is. So I try to remember that like right now I could be on it. I could be out in the deer stand tomorrow morning, but it's not worth, you know, pushing it. What's the weather there like right now? It's, uh, let's hot. see, it's September 6th when we're recording this. It's hot. What's the, What's the temperature like? Ninety degrees? Is it cool at night? Cool in the mornings? It's starting to cool off a bit, um, but you know, during the day you're looking anywhere from eighty-five to ninety-five on any given day. Nebraska's extremely up and down with its weather. Uh, the last few mornings we've been looking in the mid-sixties, and it cools off pretty quickly at night anymore too. So we're 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 getting close. We're definitely getting close to having good deer hunting weather. Do you uh you ever think about chasing deer on public while that's while the crops are up? 
or you still don't want that guy to know you're hunting other places or I kind of avoid avoid public or I still don't want them to know I'm hunting other people's ground for one and two you know I I don't need to go to public you know there, there are guys out there who can't find a spot to hunt and you know they they could have that buck patterned out and you know people take their kids out there to go dove hunting or squirrel hunting or whatever it may be you know i don't need to be up in a deer stand you know i i can be patient enough to wait for crops to come out as hard as it is so that that way other people can have the opportunity to enjoy what i enjoy that's a good thing dove season's around this time of year then so you can kind of scratch your itch doing that yeah it, it definitely helped out a lot we had a lot of fun i think we ended up we didn't limit out by any means but we ended up tagging i think two dozen doves so it was enough that we were able to throw them on the grill tonight and have a good meal between the three of us and still have some left over so what's uh what do you guys hunt doves over where you're where you're at do you guys plant fields for them or we don't plant fields for them there's there's enough ditch weed okay that they like hanging out in so we'll go hang out in the ditch weed or you know if there's like a water break in a field we'll go down we'll sit in that over a cornfield or a bean field or whatever it may be and we'll just go down there on like five gallon buckets this was actually my first year of trying dove hunting you know i'd seen a bunch of stuff on tiktok about it well i got a shotgun and i got shotgun shells so i just will give it a shot to you know kind of fill that void like you said they're they're tricky to they're hit to to hit for sure i i love to dove hunt but man i'm not very good at hitting them yeah, I shot a lot more shells this weekend than I did get birds added. That's for sure. I think I burned through three boxes of shells, and myself, I think I only tagged eight. <laughs> I remember the first time I dove hunted, uh, I told myself, next time I come, I'm definitely bringing a pair of earplugs because when you go with two, three, four guys, and you're all shooting, and some of us aren't very good shots, your ears start ringing pretty fast. <laughs> oh, they definitely can. Uh, and... That was kind of what happened with us, but we, we communicate a lot and none of us can hear worth a damn since we've all been shooting since we were kids without ear protection. You know, you're a kid, you got your dads or grandpas with, you You know, they don't always think about hearing protection because they never had it. So you kind of grow up and start losing your hearing pretty quickly. <laughs> so can you kind of lay out for us what your farm that you're hunting looks like kind of your stand locations. I don't know if you've got multiple stands. Um, can you just kind of paint the picture kind of what your plans are going in this fall? Are you using cell cell cams? Or are you using like the regular old school ones with the SD cards? Are you trying to mostly stay out of there until the first hunt? What's well, kind of like that your game plan, I guess, for, for killing that deer. Right. So, I don't have any cell cams. Um, part of that, I was listening to another part podcast and they had said for a deer to classify under Boone and Crockett, mm. uh, not use cell cams. And, yep. you know, I'm not big on taking my deer in anyway to get professionally scored and get my little piece of paper. But, you know, if I get a Boone and Crockett with a bow and arrow, I think that'd be pretty cool. So I, I kind of want to leave myself that advantage. Also, I'm an extremely budget hunter. So, I got two $25 cameras out, you know, just running SD cards. Um, I guess as far as the lay of the land, that I can't really describe. It's kind of hard to describe. 
just because it's it, it's not really anything special. You know, there's no outstanding characteristics, pretty standard farm in Nebraska, you know. Coming in off the road on the west side, you know, you got agriculture and you get about 200 yards in, you got a patch of cedars. Okay. Cottonwoods and stuff going through. And then a little bit farther past, you have another field drive that leads into another patch of trees. And then on like, it, it'd be the southwest side would be, either soybeans or corn and then opposite side would be still soybeans or corn opposite flip-flopped um going in there it's it's really tentative i try and stick to the property edge as much as i can just because that's not where their trails run you know i try and do my best not to walk on the trails because you're you're just you're losing before you even get started you know if you're leaving scent directly where they're walking so I guess as far as the game plan, it's just going to have to be once harvest is out, sneak in, tag him, sneak out. <laughs> you just kind of going for the stay out of there for the most part. How yeah. often do you check your cameras? So for the last, I, I checked cameras. I actually set them out this year in April. I had a really busy summer with work on the road and everything. So I set my cameras back in April and then didn't check them until mid-August. So lots of pictures of corn and grass, but, you know, and then I start checking them weekly and then the deer quit showing up. So now I'm just going to back out. I'll probably check them one more time here in the next couple of weeks. But other than that, I'm not, I'm going to stay out of there till I can go into hunt. Sometimes I think, and I'm guilty of it too, we give ourselves away when we get excited, we get a deer on there and then we want to check cameras every week, every two weeks, and it ends up, yeah, we see the deer a little bit, but it ends up biting us because they catch on. You oh, no doubt. in the same trail, they smell your scent, you go in after work without scent control, all that jazz. So I was oh, kind of yeah. curious on, on if you were trying to stay stealthy and stay out of there or if you were checking them every couple of weeks. Do you have, do you have multiple stands on your property or you hunt one stand? Do you worry I, about wind? Do you not worry about wind? You know, I I worried about wind a lot. I still do worry about wind a lot, but um, they the deer are gonna do what the deer are gonna do with where I'm at. They come from any direction, so trying to play the wind is not easy to begin with. Uh, I do have a couple stands, and I'm looking to put up a couple more this year once crops are out. But you know, playing the wind, I have a stand that's better for a north wind. I have a stand that's better for a south wind. But my the deer I hunt, there's no set trail that they could come in on or would rather come in on. You know, they're they're all over the place. So playing the wind is good for me, but on the same side of the coin it, it becomes kind of irrelevant. Yeah. You feel like um maybe just leaving the ground unpressured versus trying to fight the wind and all that stuff helps you too, because you're not in there very much. So they're not used to human scent. You may get by with getting winded one time. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So right on. I, I try to stay out of there as much as I can, you know, if I go sit one stand in a weekend, I'll try and go hit the other stand the next weekend. If I'm going to go out again, uh, I try and alternate as much as I can and try and not walk the exact same trails. Cause Deer are going to pattern you faster than you can pattern a deer. You know, that's just in their nature. They're survival animals. 
you know, and they're going to do whatever it takes to survive. And if they don't like something, they're not going to walk that trail again. Um, I was reading a few, few years ago, you know, they say with any given deer, you get up to three chances. After three, they're gone, you know. And obviously, they can go away at one, but, you know, up to three, you know, those deer still feel safe to an extent. But, you know, you pressure them too hard, you're not going to see them again. Are you pretty big on scent control or you think that's kind of a gimmick or? Some of it's gimmicky. Some of it's not. Um, like I'll, I'll use the soaps, I'll use the deodorants and I'll use the sprays and everything. It, it gives me a little bit more peace of mind if nothing else. But, you know, I think the best thing I've ever used for scent control was one of those Ozonic machines. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of those or not. Yes. Essentially. Essentially, it just lays out a layer of ozone. And I was actually getting ready to ask you what you thought about about that. They they work great, but at what point are you starting to cheat too much? <laughs> you know, when, yes, when when is enough enough? You know, and I I love it because it works well, but I hate it because it works well. <laughs> it kind of goes against you know my personal compass of what I deem to be cheating and not cheating. So I've never used one. I probably don't even know what it looks like. What? I mean, how big is it? Does it, it fit in a small enough to fit in a backpack or you got to carry oh, it like a backpack or. Oh yeah. It's, it's just a little, I think it's probably like a four by eight little box. And okay. they actually, when you order it, they send you its own like little carrying pouch and, you know, they got the little hookup that you can attach to your tree and everything, but uh, it's it's not heavy, it's not bulky, it's easy to take in with you, but it is another thing to take in with you. You know, so if you're real big on having light loadouts, then it's probably not your route. But I, it, it's conveniently packaged. You know, it's not that big of a pain in the butt. Do you just, um, I imagine you probably just set it, above your head and just throw a ratchet strap or something like that around it or so it comes with like a it, it's a little oh, what would you call it it's like a ball joint okay is, is what they're using there and it, it comes with a threaded rod you know like what you'd use for a bow hanger okay that you can screw into your tree and you set it however many inches above you and angle it down the instructions say 45 degree angle or it won't work in a tree stand and oh, they got different okay. settings and stuff. It aside the fact I feel it's cheating, it, it's a lot to remember at you know six o'clock in the morning when you're trying to get set up. Well, what when it's dark I, and yeah, or rainy yeah. or anything like that, too. Yeah. Well, and you can't use them in the rain. You know, okay. they say if you use it in the rain, it's gonna destroy those elements that they put in there and it'll be ruined they're not going to warranty it for you if it gets rained on so one more piece of i definitely don't need one i've got enough camera gear and everything that i gotta try to keep dry oh, and keep from dropping <laughs> and everything else absolutely so you said you used that one time then was it um yours or your buddy so let you borrow it or that dad, dad bought it for me for christmas because he swore by it because it, it does work you know it absolutely does but he he got it for me. I used it for a couple months. He actually gave it to me early 
just because it was still deer season. He wanted me to get some use out of it in that year. And um, so I used it for a little bit. But when you have, you know, a five-year-old deer standing 10 yards from you downwind and he has no clue you're there, that's kind of where you start drawing the line. And, you know, I went, I actually went to go throw an arrow in him and I ended up whacking my bow against it, against the ozonics in the tree. Ooh, karma. So, yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Big karma. And, you know, at that point, I kind of thought, you know, this is really cool, but it's another thing to maneuver around. It's another thing to carry in. And if that deer can stand there, have no clue I'm there at all with this electronic device. You know, that, that didn't quite sit right with me. So it, it's kind of gotten packaged up. If I get desperate enough that I need to, I might use it. But as an overall, I'm I'm going to leave it in the bag just because of where I sit with it morally. Just kind of made it feel unnatural then, huh? Yeah. And gee, with as far as technologies come, you know, with bow and arrows, bullets, everything, you know, it's already basically cheating. You know, I mean, I'm not going to go out there with a recurve. recurve not that dedicated to that but it's (laughs) it it is cheating i think to be able to have something that absolutely eliminates your scent it takes part of the game out of it too you know you go out there and you you miss your pits or whatever with the spray bottle well that's kind of on you you know you go out there and there's a blanket of something to block your scent from going to that deer you know that's that's not fair to the animal i believe that's how i see it I kind of feel like um, states maybe are moving back towards thinking that there's too much technology. I was it Colorado, and don't quote me on this, but there I know there's a state that just outlawed using trail cameras. Um, you can't use trail cameras to scout anymore, I guess, because they felt like it was giving people too much of an edge. But I guess that's kind of like the same thing, like probably when trail cameras first came out, you know, old school guys or whatever probably used to think, God, that's cheating. And then we get used to using trail cameras and we grow up using trail cameras. Right. And we kind of feel like, oh, it's not really a big deal. But then Ozonics comes out and people our age are like, well, it's kind of feel like it's cheating. So I don't know. I think you're right. It it just depends on the moral compass of you and what kind of you want to get out of it. Yeah, and moral compass might not be the right way to put that, but, you know, it's kind of circling back to that trail camera thing, you know. The A big part of hunting is, you know, population control. You know, uh, area can only hold so much, and Mother Nature is going to win the battle every time. So, you know, if an area starts getting overpopulated, I think you'd want people scouting as much as they could. You know, try and get as many deer out as they could, unless their numbers I- got really low. I don't, I don't know if it was their numbers that got low or what. I'm pretty sure it's Colorado, but I could be wrong. But, yeah, they banned trail cameras. Can't use them anymore. Oh, man. So so do you hunt out of hang-ons or you use um, ladder stands or saddles? or? I, I've i been using ladder stands out of my property. I'm going to throw a hanging stand up this year just because I, I – I don't really want to go spend the money right now on, you know, more ladder stands because everything's going up in price so damn much. It's it's getting harder to justify going out and buying a ladder stand, you know. So I found a old hanger in the shop that I'm going to go throw up. So 
that that's kind of where I primarily do. I tried hunting deer out of a blind a couple years ago and you know, I'm, I'm a pretty big guy. So being kind of close to that area and I had never really done it before. I, I missed out on a very mature whitetail because anything that could go wrong did go wrong. I went to pick up my bow, drug the arrow across the tent. I went to go pull the arrow back. The arrow fell out of the rest. It was just left and right problem after problem. Said, you know what? Maybe ground blinds aren't for me for deer hunting. <laughs> it's always nice to be up elevated too because I feel like, you know, I can see a lot more. Oh, yeah. I know they can maybe see you easier, but I don't know. I'm I'm a I'm a stand guy myself. I like to hunt out of hang-ons. Do you have do you ever have any issues getting busted in a ladder stand? I've had oh, I hunted right. I bow hunted for a while out of ladder stands on different properties and stuff, and I seemed like I was always getting busted out of them. Left and left and left and right, man. I mean, you you're still elevated, and I don't get you know the thirty foot stands mm -hmm. because at a certain point there's no need to be higher, <laughs> you know, uh, I have been busted, you know, it's usually something stupid, you know, boots clanging on the metal floor, whatever it may be. Uh, this year, once crops come out and it kind of cools off, I, I'm going to go out. It's like those rubber playmate mats. I saw mm -hmm. this on YouTube. The guy went out and he zip tied that to the bottom of his ladder stand. And he said that, it helped with keeping heat in your boots, which makes sense. And also when you go to stand up, you're not gonna you're not gonna clang your boots. There's not gonna be mud falling all the way to the ground for the deer to hear, you know. Um ladder stand placement, you gotta be really careful. You know, you gotta try and tuck yourself into trees. But you know, sometimes you don't get that option and people are just hanging way out there. So I ladder stands are easy to be busted in a lot easier than what people say they are you know you see it on the outdoors channel all the time they don't they never get busted so why would you but yeah that's not they, how they works hold, in the world <laughs> they hold all the all the bad footage and uh they post the good stuff well yeah how else mm -hmm. are they supposed to push their product the <laughs> uh, the the mat that you're talking about is it is it rubber or is it like a is it like a foam workout mat i think it'd be either or honestly i i really don't know i haven't bought it yet i was honestly going to see if my nephew i think he's six or seven if he was still using any of his and if he wasn't i was gonna go on ahead and steal him from a seven-year-old <laughs> he doesn't whatever you got to do to get the job done I, it does make sense is because i know anybody that's stood in a tree stand very long when it's cold outside knows that that heat leaves your boots through that stand so fast when oh yeah and you know once your feet are cold once your feet are cold you're done you are cold you know i use really nice uh under armor heat gear that i picked up off a garage sale i got the coveralls i got i actually got a heated jacket battery powered heated jacket is it a like a milwaukee one? Oh yeah 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 how do you like that oh i i love that thing man like sub-zero days are about when i start getting cold anymore otherwise I can sit up there for hours. I ended up buying my fiance one last year for Christmas. She wears it all the time. Um, I, I love it for the deer stand. That's the only time I will use it. You know, I'll throw the jacket under and then I throw my heavy coat on top of it. So that way, you know, it stays insulated and everything else. But I'll sit out there when it's 10, 15 degrees and windy and not have a problem. 
is that something you would recommend uh, people get if they get cold? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're one that gets cold easy or really at all, you know, you can you can spend, you know, four or five hundred dollars on the expensive Sitka jacket and still be cold. Or you can drop 200 bucks on a good heated jacket and don't don't buy a coat because now you're not insulating yourself. You know, that heat's just going to leave as soon as the wind blows. But if you get the jacket, you know, you're going to you're going to insulate yourself pretty good. You're going to be nice and cozy in that deer stand. If you got a heavy winter coat, your coveralls over the top of it. It's hard to kill deer if you're not there, if you're cold. I mean, that's the main thing. You got to yeah. stay warmer or you're not going to stay very long or sit still yep. for that matter. Mostly sit still, I think, because, you know, you can kind of warm yourself up by fidgeting. Yeah. You know, it kind of takes your mind off being cold or, you know, it's your body moving around naturally. But, you know, that that Milwaukee jacket just kind of lets you lean back and kind of enjoy your day a little bit more. Everybody knows that where you stand up and you just kind of do that shake to try to get warm. Oh, like everyone does cold. that. Yeah. <laughs> How long do those jackets stay charged? They take one battery or they take a couple or is it pretty heavy? Like the weight as far as like having a battery. So those battery, those jackets, you can actually buy a converter. So you can use like an M18 Milwaukee battery. Mm -hmm. And that one will last, you know, quite a few hours. I go into the stand. I'll take two batteries with me. I usually sit, you know, until about 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. Then I'll head back out around two and leave it dark obviously usually two batteries is enough to get me through one sit if i have the jacket on full blast but you know early later november before it really starts getting sub-zero at least in nebraska before it starts getting sub-zero it's um it does the trick on like a lower medium setting you know it's like anything else it's battery powered yeah you know, if you're on high you're gonna get two and a half maybe three hours tops out of it if you're on low, you could probably run for eight hours off one fully charged M12 battery. Sometimes you just need a little bit of um to get you a couple hours through. So Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, just a couple more. Like sometimes you get out there and you're like, it's 830 and you really need to sit till 11. It's like fire up the jacket, you know, and get you a couple oh, yeah. more hours. That can really make a difference during the rut. Oh, absolutely. It can. You know, what I used to do, little pro tip, if you don't want to spend that kind of money. I used to take uh, those back relief heating pads mm -hmm. and I just line my whole body with them. <laughs> Thighs, lower back, upper back, stomach, and I'd stay toasty that way. I think you pick up a box of those for like 10 bucks. Are you guys um, familiar with like hot hands where you're from? Do you know oh, what yeah. those are? Hot hands are everywhere. And actually, I just saw last season they make them with adhesive now in their body packs. Yeah, now, they so. they come in like um they're probably six by four inches. Yeah. And they make um I use those. They're called like toasty toes. They're um basically just the roundness of your boot. You put them like right on top of your insole. Just sits like right on your toes. But man, those really make a difference. They put out just a little bit of heat, but <clears throat> a little bit sometimes all you need. Oh absolutely. You know, I never had great luck with the toasty toes. I did try toasty toes and really yeah, so I got the the hand warmer, the hot hand. I think it's hot hands. Mm -hmm. I got those ones, and those ones seem to work a lot better. And, you know, if you don't do it, you should probably start doing it. Double up your socks, get yourself a good pair of winter boots. And what you do is you, you know, you throw on your first sock, and then you throw on your toe warmer, and then you throw on a good thick wool 
winter sock on top of that and then throw them into your thick insulated winter boots and and your feet stay nice and toasty until they start sweating (laughs) the thing thing with the toasty toes is you you want to put them on before you leave the house but if you're not careful you'll put them on and then your feet will sweat and then it ends up biting you because by the time you get to the stand your legs and your yeah i were like I wear muck boots, so they're pretty tall or whatever, but your mm-hmm. legs and stuff will start to sweat and you're warm for a bit and then your toes get frozen. So I try okay. to sometimes maybe just take them with me and put them on when I get it in the stand. But what, what I'll do is um, like in the mornings, I actually just won't turn the heater on in my truck all the way. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll turn it halfway, you know, at most. And I'll bundle myself up and I'll just roll out to the deer stand like that unless my windshield's full of frost. <laughs> So that way, you know, I can still put my foot warmers in and not have my feet get all sweaty and gross. Did you um, did you mention to me something about um, I know you grew your TikTok pretty fast for Nemaha Valley Outdoors. Can we talk a little bit about how you did that? Yeah, yeah, no problem. So just for anybody that's wanting to kind of start their own maybe hunting page maybe not to get famous but maybe just to kind of document their journey or oh um, i'm by no means trying to get famous here i i'm i want other people i want to share my story that's that's the main reason i'm doing it if i get famous along the way so be it (laughs) but so the way it started is i started an instagram page and that didn't grow much outside of you know friends who were already on Instagram. And so I thought, well, man, maybe if I get on Facebook, people will share stuff that'll bring in more and it'll grow that way. So I did that. And, um, you know, as much as people say they're going to support you and everything they do and everything you do, you know, when it comes right down to it, either your stuff's getting thrown by the wayside or they're just not clicking the share button. So it was actually back in like July, the beginning of July. I was out in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, working a project of this year right of this year correct okay i was working a project out there and i got off work and i i just got bored so i kind of did on a whim almost and then i took some of my old hunting videos and everything and started out and what i found is that you know consistency in your posts so you know post anywhere from two to five times a day and along with consistency, make sure that you are staying, stay in your lane. Do not, don't make a hunting page and then go and post, you know, two drunk kids fighting in a Walmart parking lot, you know, because the way TikTok kind of operates from what I found from all the research I've done and everything is um, they, they gauge who they show your stuff to based on what you like and the videos you also make. And that goes along with hashtags and stuff as well. Um, you start veering off from hashtags and everything else, and you're going to confuse TikTok, and then no one's going to see your video, or at least not people that are going to care. Uh, TikTok, for me, I had my own personal page and everything that I'd already kind of posted some stuff on that wasn't related to hunting and fishing. And, you know, I wasn't liking nothing but hunting and fishing videos. I wasn't interacting in that realm. And I just, I wasn't gaining any traction. 
And I kind of threw my hands up on it for a little bit until I sat back and I kind of thought about it. How, you know, when me and my friends will start sending each other videos back and forth, it, it, um, it would change up what I was seeing, even what I was sharing. So I, I got bored and decided to try out a different page. And I went from probably all my social medias, that's YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, you know, collectively, maybe 300 followers, most of which were people that kind of, they were friends and family, Mm -hmm. you know, it was that sort of beginning. It went from that to now I'm saying at just under 2000 followers, which might not be as quick as, you know, some people, but for me, that was just outstanding. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty good reach. And the organic reach on TikTok is ridiculous. Like, Oh, it's through the roof. You can literally like on Instagram, people pretty much have to, you have to share your stuff and like say, Hey, check out my page or, you know, like just, be famous or something. I don't know. But TikTok, you can literally post one video, wake up the next morning, and thousands and thousands of people could have seen it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's that's kind of been the thing with, with Omaha Valley Outdoors on TikTok. You know, I go to bed at night and, you know, I'll go to sleep with four or five notifications. I wake up with a 100 or however many it may be. And the phone doesn't stop receiving notifications all day. It got to the point I had to turn the notifications off just uh-huh. from that organic reach technology in the internet has come so far that if you want to be seen, you want to share your story, your content, you want to get famous, whatever. TikTok right now is almost the absolute way I feel to do it just because of that organic reach. And it's free. That's the best it's, thing about it. Oh yeah. Facebook will charge you five bucks to, you know, oh, well, we'll boost your stuff and show it to this many people, you know, 250 people for 10 bucks for two days. I've noticed, I've noticed with TikTok too, like you said, as you build, as the algorithm and everything builds, it brings in more people that are, you know, Facebook, you may post an ad and it'll give you an age range or whatever, but it doesn't know that, you know, all those people like hunting, half of them might not like hunting, but the algorithm as TikTok knows it. And as it builds it, it knows like 90% or, you know, whatever the percentage it shows your videos to about hunting or cooking or whatever you're trying to like get out there. It shows the people that actually care about that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, actually coming into, you know, early to mid August, it's like, all right, I need to start transitioning this page from fishing into hunting because, you know, I'm an avid fisherman as well, but, I, I definitely do a lot more hunting, but I knew that if I didn't start making that switch, I wasn't going to get hunters watching my videos, you know? So that was a bit of a slow process in that, but once the algorithm realized, Hey, this guy's doing hunting now and made that switch, it, it definitely started taking off a little bit faster again. So I guess, Go ahead. All right. I guess to anyone out there who's wanting to start TikTok, wanting to, you know, try and get your stuff out there, stay in your niche. You're you're stay in your lane. It's really the simplest way to put it. You know, 
if you want to make videos about cooking, make videos about nothing but cooking, like videos about nothing but cooking. If you want to do hunting, same thing, fishing, whatever, you know, the, the truly successful people on TikTok. Yeah, let me rephrase that. The, the people who cannot grab attention just based on how they look, that might have not been right either, but it's no, no, I, I understand where you're going for it. <laughs> yeah, I totally understand. You know, it, if you're not a girl on there shaking your butt, you're probably not going to gain a lot of following. Really. <clears throat> so stay in your lane and just keep posting two, two to five. You know, I was actually just talking to a kid who the other day he said, well, man, you, you grew so fast. How'd you do that? How'd you do that? Oh, well, let me go look at your page. And I went, I looked at his page. I'm not going to say names at all, Mm -hmm. you know, just for his sake. I went and looked at his page and the amount of videos he had over the time frame he had wasn't there, you know? And I said, well, you're not posting enough, man. You know, you're posting every three, four, maybe five days. And he goes, well, I'm just, I want every video to go viral. No, you don't want every video to go. You're going to get lucky and get videos that go viral. But in the beginning, you want you want people to see it, you know and if it gets viral after that great but you want people to see your face as much as possible i really like on tiktok too compared to instagram and facebook is when you post something it shows you how many views that it's had so it kind of gives you a good understanding on how many people you've reached yeah and you know something else if you go into your analytic, you, you, there in your settings, there's a portion in there. It's called your analytics. And if you turn that on, mm-hmm. it'll pop up and it'll tell you, okay, here's the average of how long someone watched your video. Here's how many people you reached. Here's what countries they were in. Here's how many were from the for you page. Here's how many were from the, your following. Here's how many times you yourself watched your video. You know, it'll, It'll actually read that. So, you know, as Nemaha Valley Outdoors, if I go in and I'm replying back to comments or whatever, and that video is just sitting there playing in the background, that's actually logging every time that I watch that. And it's probably screwing up the analytics of the situation. But, you know, that is another outlet that you can kind of use to learn and gauge how well you're doing and what you might need to change. Um, a lot of guys too, what they will end up doing is they'll post like super long videos, mm-hmm. you know, 30 plus seconds. And a lot of my coworkers, they're starting to get into TikTok and you see it, you, you just see it. You know, if they're not interested in the first three seconds, they're going by it. So you need to jump out there. You need to get people interested right away. Some of my biggest videos, I think my biggest one right now is at like 23,000 views or something. So not not huge in the grand scheme of things, but very big for me. That's a, I mean, that's a lot of people when you compare it to, I mean, you have to have 20,000 followers on Instagram for people to see that, you know, yeah. that's I mean, nowadays it's not happening. Yeah. I mean, unless you're famous yeah. already, <laughs> which we aren't <laughs> right. Exactly. So the, the video was, I put a little caption up there said, uh, when you're in your stand, and a doe starts blowing up your spot instead of just ignoring that you're there. And at the very end of it, I let go of the arrow. I didn't shoot at a doe. I was out target shooting one day and recorded it just for, you know, what am I doing wrong? 
and I've been using that video quite a bit, but it, it got people's attention. They wanted to see what happened at the end and, you know, and a lot of hunters have that very, it's not sadistic sense of humor per se, but they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's kind of funny. Doe relatable. Yeah, right. That's the word. That's a better word. It's very relatable. You know, a doe comes in and you plug her real quick with once she starts blowing up the stand instead of just eat more soybeans and corn, you know, that was a theory that I learned from Kip Campbell from Red Arrow. <laughs> so, um, so TikTok is very anti-hunting, as I'm sure you know. Oh, I've been on the band. What I've been on the band train three times now. One of them I ended up getting appealed. I was doing a video for uh, Maniac Outdoors real quick and. I had to change it up a little bit, so I ended up reposting it. And they said I was selling drugs <laughs> or illegal, illegal, illegal uh, substance, or yeah, yeah. I, uh -huh. yeah, contraband or something. I've had the same same thing happen to me. Yeah, yeah. And so I put in for an appeal. I was only, I shouldn't say banned. I should say suspended, because yeah. that's really a better word to use is suspended. I put in for an appeal, and of course. They don't let the appeal pass through until the day the suspension was up anyway. So I just got like an extra 12 hours. So all of a sudden my phone exploded with notifications. Oh, so you guys decided to take down this video that had nothing illegal in it. Put me back up, but, you know, girls can be on there half naked, shaking their stuff around and falling out of everything but that's okay and that's actually illegal to do in public <laughs> every time i post i've always just got this feeling i'm gonna be i mean you're like one post away from being like banned so oh, man i posted a video is either today or last night i don't really remember they're they're starting to run together when they get posted and i just kind of kept going through tiktok you know and I thought it was kind of weird that I hadn't received any notifications for 35 minutes because I usually get a handful by then. And so I go in and still no one had watched it. Like, what happened there? So I signed into my other account and went and looked. And, well, it was there, and I liked it. I told my fiancé to go watch it and like it, watch it all the way through and like it. And then all of a sudden the notification's rolling in. So it was just a slow roller, but I just sat there and thought, you know, this is going to be my fourth suspension. How long is it going to be for like I'm trying to grow Nemaha Valley outdoors and I can't grow without yeah. people seeing my stuff. <laughs> Do you try to, are you, um, I kind of try to funnel my content. Like I'll use TikTok to get people to, you know, see my podcast or see my YouTube because I, I just got this feeling that someday I'm going to lose, you know, like my audience because they just decide to close up my account one day because I, I don't, I mean, I've had videos taken down that, I wasn't even shooting a deer. I was, I was in a stand. I remember I was in a stand and, and I uh, was taking a video in the rain and I caught a glimpse of my bow sitting on a bow hanger and they took it down for however they um, word it, but for a weapon more or less. <laughs> so yeah, I, it's like constantly in the back of my mind. I'm like, well, is there anything bad? They're going to want to take, take me out. So that's, um, 
I've started paying more attention to that because, you know, in two months being on the suspension three separate times, <clears throat> probably not good. You know, that's probably not putting me in good graces with them. Not that I don't overly care. You yeah. know, on, honestly, I really don't because there's going to be another one somewhere down the line. Yep. It's just going to hold up my process a lot right now. Uh, I do tell my followers whether or not they listen or not. Probably not. You know, I do have. <laughs> <laughs> they're, only for, they're only here for the funny videos, which is fine. You know, as long as I can make them smile once. Uh, I do have a link tree on that account that'll take you to my Facebook and my Instagram and my YouTube. Uh, YouTube's pretty dry. And honestly, with the amount of reactions I had gotten from Facebook and Instagram, that's pretty dry too. But, you know, with deer season rolling up, that's going to start, everything's going to start picking up again. So I'm hoping by then, you know, all my pages start growing more. Yeah. So definitely, if you guys are, whoever's listening, if you want to start your own kind of outdoor page just to document or share your story, you need to be on TikTok for sure. I mean, organic reach. If you want to connect with other hunters, I mean, that's how me and Ben met and two of the other guys actually I've had on the podcast. That's how we met. So um, don't overlook it. Don't just think it's people doing dances because there are different niches out there um, for anything you're interested in. It's out there. You know, I used to make fun of guys that did TikToks and now I I don't want to make fun of myself, but it's really hard not to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even within the past, I mean, I've I've been running my Instagram page and my Facebook page since 2018, but even within the last year that I've had TikTok, it seems like it's it's changed. I mean, just different. You can tell that there's more people. There's more people like our age. Before it was just like, you know, maybe middle school, young high school kids, but there's more adults on there and there's more content that's relatable to adults on there. I think, I think in the next couple years or something, you know, there's gonna be a lot more people just like there is on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram to me, it, it's pretty much, it's dying. It's in the process. Oh, I, I don't think you're far off there. You know, Instagram, well, even Instagram and Facebook both, they're starting to pull, they're pulling what like TikTok is doing and what Snapchat does with the stories and everything. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. everything is trying to keep up, and I I definitely agree. I think Instagram's on its way out, but, you know, hopefully TikTok can keep rolling, you know, for at least a few more years, but it it's giving me Vine vibes. you remember Vine? Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, that was dead in, what, two years? <laughs> yep, yep, it was. It, it, it came fast, and it was gone fast. Yeah, but as far as, like, you know, it... it older generation getting in there you know it's it's definitely happening it, it really is and you know it happens with all social medias you know the older generation they talk bad on it and everything and now you know my friend's parents they don't text me or call me anymore to see what's going on they send me a snapchat you know that that's the primary way i communicate with my future father-in-law is snapchat wow. you know you would have so, never thought that probably you know no. five years ago Never. Well, and my mom, she won't text me or call me anymore. My mom will only <laughs> send me Snapchat messages. I'm pretty sure it's to make sure I'm not ignoring her, but <laughs> can't turn that notification off. <laughs> definitely, definitely. If you wanna, if you wanna grow a page, guys, you need to be on TikTok. Have you had any um, 
have you had any like um, big brands or anybody reach out to you? Have any um, success with like that kind of stuff? So I, I did in, in the last two months, you know, starting TikTok and everything, I I got in with a company called Maniac Outdoors. Okay. That was the first one. And okay. what they do is um, they make mineral supplements for your mineral sites. They do food plots primarily, you know, and that stuff, I've, it works great. I mean, it's, it's extremely healthy for the deer. It's very good for their digestive tract, their overall health, their antler growth, everything, you know, and the, the evidence is in the pictures and in the footage of it, you know, with them. The other one is Jinxum Outdoors or not Jinxum Outdoors, Jinxum Sense, excuse me. Uh, and what they are is a hundred percent pure deer urine. Okay. And you know, you go to Walmart and you buy the stuff off the shelf, you know, how, how pure and organic is that really? You know, how much synthetic is in that urine? Most of it's ammonia, synthetic ammonia. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I am, I, I've always been looking for that, you know, hundred percent deer urine. And I found the company and I, I got to get on to ordering some more to start up some mock scrapes here soon, just to try and coax the deer to following the trails again that I might've screwed up being in there checking cameras and stuff. But I mean, th those are the two companies that I have been in touch with that have offered me spots on their pro staff. So definitely if you're, if you're a guy who wants to get started in the industry and you want to get on with uh, pro staffs. And keep in mind, a lot of guys confuse this. Pro staff is not professional staff. Pro staff is promotional staff. So, and if you do really well, it could turn into, you know, being, you know, they start compensating you. But in the beginning, it, it's, it's not, you know, they hook you up with a couple discounts or whatever the deal may be. Uh, you know, don't, don't jump into a pro staff thinking you're going to be getting paid, you know, unless you have hundreds of thousands of reach, you know, you're, you're just really looking at being a part of getting your foot in the door in the industry, which I love. And TikTok opened up those opportunities for me. You know, I'm glad, so. I'm glad you touched on that. Cause a lot of people, I think they think, oh, I've got a, you know, I'm pro staff now or whatever. Oh, hell, I thought that until, you know, <laughs> six weeks ago because I, I was starting to want to get into the pro staff thing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I enjoy this a lot. You know, why not try? And I started doing research on them and stuff, not the individual companies, but the, right. uh, you know, just the concept of being pro staff. And, you know, there's a lot more work in it than what people want to believe. And the first major step is actually realizing that you are not a professional staff. <laughs> you are you are a promotional staff. I mean, it is a good it is a good way to build relationships, though. And yes, it is. In the door. It is, and you know, if you know you do well for those companies long term, they they'll take care of you. You know, I feel like everyone everyone I've ever came across has been involved in hunting and fishing and anything that really has to do with the outdoors. As a general overall, 
your higher ups, the people that you want to be dealing with are extremely grounded and down to earth people. You know, they're going to be guys just like you and me. Well, they at least used to be extremely like you and me. You know, they might have gotten a bit of a head in the long run, but then overall, yeah. they're, they're very down to earth people. You know, just you just got to get that reach out there to contact them. So I see you're wearing a uh, you're repping a hat there. Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe not everybody is watching on shirt. YouTube, but um, are those do you have those available or is that just something that you had made up for yourself? So. I'm going to be honest. I work in technology, but I'm not good with technology. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to set up a website to sell them. Okay. Uh, how to really go about it. Uh, basically, right now, it's you message me if you want a hat or a shirt or something. You Venmo me, and I'll put in an order. Uh, and, you know, the more people that buy, the better the price is going to be. Right now, the people who have Nemo Valley Outdoor stuff is myself and a handful of friends. And, you know, I, in the beginning, and this is another thing for people wanting to become content creators. Don't, don't try and sell stuff too early. Really don't. Because when you start trying to sell stuff, people don't care anymore. Until they know you, they trust you, they enjoy you more. They don't care. Uh, and that was a mistake I feel I made in the very beginning was thinking that more people were going to enjoy my content via Instagram and Facebook and stuff. So I had hats made up. I had some shirts made up and stuff. And the people at the bottom were my extremely closer friends. But, you know, no, no one has asked for them on my TikTok or anything. Uh, so until that starts happening, I'm probably not going to even attempt to try and figure out how to build a site to sell them. Just because that, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of money that goes into it in the beginning just for it to potentially not really benefit anybody in the lot. It, it's important to establish brand first before you try to monetize your audience. Um, yeah, it would have been great for someone to tell me that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's cool though. Is it? Is it gray? It's gray and orange in the back? Yeah, it's gray and orange. It's a charcoal gray and it's got a charcoal band and then it's the hunter orange mesh top and lettering on the is that left side yeah left side of the cap yeah it's cool so okay uh for anybody that's um listening through apple or google or um not watching the video can you just verbalize where to find you on tiktok facebook and instagram just in case they're not actually seeing uh the scroller at the bottom of the screen yeah no problem so across the board, it's all going to be Nemaha Valley Outdoors. Um, I get some people can have a hard time with the word Nemaha. It's N-E-M-A-H-A Valley Outdoors. And uh, if you go and you even just type that into Google search, you know, you're going to find all my pages. Pretty sure. I've never Google searched myself, but <laughs> that- <laughs> That is that that's where you're going to find my content. If you want to continue following me or just start following me after you hear this podcast, you know, deer season is rolling up. So content will start picking up. I'm going to start self-filming this year. It is my first year. So kind of bear with me as I learn the tricks of the trade here. Hey, if anybody has any questions, I'm sure Ben doesn't mind if you reach out to him and right. Yeah. Getting involved in the outdoors or you got questions about um, maybe building your TikTok or 
your niche or whatever, oh, I'm absolutely. sure he'd be happy to, to guide you in the right direction. Absolutely. Go on ahead. If you're on Instagram, shoot me an Instagram message. That's going to be the easiest and quickest way for me to see your messages. Um, otherwise, TikTok, I think they give you up to like three messages before they cut you off for someone to respond to you. I think I think that's what it said when you and I started going back and forth. Yeah, and it, it's kind of like if they don't follow you back or something too, it kind of puts it in a message request. But yeah, if you try hard enough, you'll you'll get a hold of them. Somehow. Oh yeah, just start commenting on all my stuff, <laughs> liking all my pages, liking all my videos, everything. You'll I'll notice. Trust me, I'll notice. You know, check him out. Check him out, definitely, guys. He has uh, quite a bit of content on TikTok, and he's pretty consistent. So if you enjoy outdoor uh, hunting and content and stuff you'll definitely enjoy his page well um we're getting kind of into an hour and a half here oh man <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna reach out to you again soon maybe we'll talk in a couple months i kind of want to see how your season's going and how um it's going with that deer you're after what, oh, what did you say what did you say you named him again i named him lefty back in 2018 and he's just retained the name and retained the shape so do you have uh, pictures of him on Instagram uh, if people want to see? I, I believe he's on Instagram. He's definitely on TikTok. There's, okay. a, there's a couple videos of him on there with a couple pictures of him. Uh, he's on TikTok, Facebook. He's probably on Instagram. I don't know. I've kind of stopped posting on Instagram just because, you know, that's such a small, small mm -hmm. following. Yeah, yeah, I kind of go where the fish are. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Well, uh, I appreciate you taking the time and, uh, I will reach out to you and hopefully we'll get you on here in a couple months and you'll have that buck. At oh, absolutely, man. Local taxidermist. <laughs> absolutely, man. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yep. Bye.